Good morning, everyone. Peace be with you. Thank you. Well, my name is Dodds. I'm the pastor of uh, care and counseling at Sojourn Heights, and really, just what that really means is just that if you come and talk to me, I'm I'm just going to be really sweet to you. Um, so we we have been in the Gospel of John um, for the past number of weeks, actually since the beginning of the year. The Gospel of John written so that we might believe. And the text today is significant because Lazarus, a dear personal friend of Jesus's, has died. And Jesus is going to do something miraculous in response. Interestingly enough, um, Gospel of John is the only Gospel that records this. It is not in the other Gospels. But, but John found this to be a most crucial moment for Jesus, for Martha, for Mary, and most certainly for us. And I think, obviously, when we read this text, what is difficult is the fact that it deals with death, something that, that makes us very quiet, something that sobers us, a heavy, heavy reality that death that death does exist. About two and a half years ago, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh, he went through a few rounds of chemotherapy, um, which wrecked him physically, wrecked him mentally. It took everything out of him. And so after just a few rounds of chemotherapy, he said, I, I just can't. I can't do this, the quality of life that I want to have. I just can't do it this way, so I'm, I'm going to forego treatment. And shortly after that, a hospice was in my dad's home. And they moved a bed into the room that I grew up in. It was a bed that my dad would get into and never get out of. He died on a sunny Thursday afternoon in April, two weeks, about two weeks before his 79th birthday. And I will, I will never forget in the final hours of his life in that room with him, watching my sister at his right hand gripping his arm, my brother standing with his arms folded against the window on my dad's left side. And Kimberly and I holding each other, sitting at the foot of my dad's bed. And my stepmother, my, my dad's wife of, of 20 years, holding his head, stroking his hair and kissing his forehead. It was one of the most precious moments of my life, and I will never forget it. But it was not beautiful, and it was not peaceful. My dad's death did not bring relief or release, regardless of how much he had suffered. There was no exhale. I remember my brother saying, it's not fair, it's not fair. 
shouldn't be happening like this. And my sister's saying, I'm finally, I'm, I'm finally glad to see his suffering is over. I'm glad to see there's no more suffering. And my stepmother saying, I know that he's in a better place. I know that I'll see him again. Death is the universal fact. It is the arbiter over all of our hopes, over all of our hopes and dreams and futures and purposes. The reason that bucket lists exist is because we know that this isn't going to last. But wrapped in every bucket list and wrapped, laced in, into every one of my family's comments at the death of my father is this hope that we cling to, that death does not have the final say. We don't want it to have the final say. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus himself deals directly with the reality of death, and Jesus most certainly has a response. Now, I know that we began reading in verse 17, but I, I promise you, if we back up to the beginning of the chapter, in chapter 11, we're going to get a much clearer picture of what's going on. So let's, let's set the scene. Lazarus is sick. He's really, really sick. So sick that he is going to die, and his sisters, Martha and Mary, whom we have met in the Gospel of Luke, which really all that you need to remember about that story is this, that Martha was the diligent, um, independent hostess that, that kept a perfect home and served Jesus but essentially ignored him. And Mary is the younger, dependent sister who sat at Jesus' feet, not necessarily serving him at all, but just enjoying him and wanting to be near him. Martha and Mary are close friends of Jesus. And so they know, they have been witness to his miracles. They would have known what he was capable of. They know what he is capable of. They've seen him heal people even without him being there. They've seen him just speak a word and someone far off gets healed. So they've sent for him to come because they know that he's the only one who could help. So let's, let's take a look at the beginning of the chapter. We'll pick up in verse 3 and go from there. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So Martha and Mary, knowing Jesus, asked for help right away, but it didn't come. There are many of us in this room this morning, we know that feeling. Many of you have been waiting on a response. 
many of you have been waiting on an answer. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have been pleading for something, waiting on something, waiting on someone, and you're desperate. Maybe you're waiting, maybe you've been waiting on a spouse, or a job, or a promotion, or a baby, or a house, or maybe just even a friend. A change in circumstance. Maybe you're waiting on the day when your depression or your anxiety finally goes away. Or that feeling of loneliness. Or that feeling of hopelessness. So what would you think if you were Martha or Mary? What would you, what if you knew where to go to ask for help and the answer that you were waiting for didn't come? Martha and Mary say this, Jesus, we need you now. A friend you love is dying and you are the only one who can undo this. And Jesus' response was this, I'm going to wait two more days. Why does he wait two more days in the immediacy of this need? According to John, it is certainly not because he doesn't love them. When John says that Jesus loved Mary, loved Martha, loved Lazarus, the Bible only records Jesus having that kind of closeness with his most intimate of disciples. That's so key. Jesus loves them as he would love his closest friends. You see, this is not a general fondness or affinity or shallowness to his love. John is highlighting something very important. Jesus is saying, I love you all more than you can understand. And because I love you so much, I'm going to wait two more days. The Gospel of John is asking us to trust that in this dire situation, Jesus knows exactly what he is doing by not coming right away. Now let's acknowledge that that is difficult. Let's acknowledge why that's difficult. If someone you need to come comes late or not at all, if something you need never comes, you want answers. Why weren't you here? Explain yourself. Why isn't this happening? Give me an answer. Why did it happen this way and not the way that I expected? Or even on a more intimate heart human level, do you care about me? Do you really love me? Because if you loved me, you wouldn't wait. You'd come. And what's amazing is that in all our difficulties to trust what Jesus is doing, these are the same difficulties that Martha and Mary are having. Let's look at John eleven seventeen. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, 
she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Now the Jews of this day, this is, this is just the, the world that we're looking into. The Jews of this day believed that when someone died, their spirit stayed around for three days. It was believed that on the fourth day, when the body began to decompose, that the spirit would see that the, the body was decomposing, and so life was no longer possible, and the spirit would depart. So we've got that circle, sort of uh, that circle spinning in this, in this context. But we've also got two others, and they have to do with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. See, the Sadducees, who were the political elite of the day, did not believe that life and death existed. They believed that to have a good life, to have the full life, was to have that life now. But the Pharisees, they actually believed in life after death. So all of those things are swimming around. All of those questions for Martha and Mary of life after death, best life now. Is, is the spirit left? Simply put, Jesus enters, enters Martha and Mary's world at the height of their grieving when hope is at its absolute lowest. Let's keep reading. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is Martha. See, when Jesus enters her home in the Gospel of Luke, she cleans everything up. She straightens the house. Everything is in order. She is the consummate A-type personality hostess. Everything in its place. Everything with its reason. And she initiates with Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can almost visualize her posture, standing tall. Where were you? I want a reason. Explain yourself. You should have been here four days ago. I would not have done it this way. She is seemingly unemotional. And she wants reasons, not feelings. She doesn't need closeness or kind words or tenderness. She wants to be understood and to understand. She needs answers. She greets him with a question. Where were you? And what does Jesus do? He essentially, he argues with her. He raises his voice to her. You can see him standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with her, tall and sure. He gives her what she needs in the form of truth. 
your brother will rise again. And Martha comes back and says, I know, look, I know, I know that I'll get what I want later, but you still didn't answer my question. I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Don't tell me what I already know. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. And whoever believes in me won't ever die. See, the, the flow of her heart is, is going downward. She's upset. She's in despair. She's in sadness and sorrow. And he's just pushing against that flow. He's pushing back on it and saying, no, you don't understand. This isn't hope deferred. I'm not asking you to, to hang on to some promised future prize. You're, you're pushing hope off to some distant star in the sky. I'm telling you that hope is now. Hope is me. I am the resurrection and the life. You're looking at the circumstances Martha, I'm telling you to look at me. See, Martha needed truth. There's some of you in this room, you want truth. You don't want emotions or apologies. You want answers. But think about this. Think about who Jesus has said he is. Let's think about all that we've looked at in John. You want bread? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You want water? I'm living water. You want light? I'm the light of the world. You want protection? I'm the good shepherd. You want truth? He's going to say a few weeks from now, I am the truth. Think about that. Think about that. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Jesus is telling Martha, he's saying, you want answers? I'm the answer. See, Jesus is offering more than help. Jesus is saying, I'm offering you me. I'm everything you need and more, Martha. Let's keep moving. Verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Now when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. This is Mary. See, Mary is the one who sat at Jesus' feet. She's dependent. She's emotional. She waits for Jesus to initiate. And at the very 
sight of him, she falls at his feet and says the exact same words as Martha. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, Mary's heart is also flowing downward in despair and sadness and anguish and pain. But for Mary, unlike Martha, Jesus is essentially speechless. He just says, where have you put him? And instead of pushing back against the flow of her heart like he did with Martha, he enters it. He meets her. He feels it with her. Martha said, where were you? I want a reason. I want an answer. Explain yourself. And Martha says, where were you? I don't understand. I thought you cared. I thought you loved me. See, Mary didn't need truth. She needed tenderness. She needed tears. The words Jesus wept, in the Greek, it has an immediacy to it. So in other words, Jesus burst into tears. Do you, do you feel that? See, this, this is not Jesus out of control. This is Jesus completely in control and yet completely in the moment with Mary. He is one with Mary in her need. He is near to Mary in her need. He doesn't just sympathize with her pain. He feels it and he lives it. For some of you, hope is at its lowest today. And perhaps it has nothing to do with physical death. Some of you have been waiting on a baby for months and you've begun to say, I'm never going to get my baby. I'm never going to get my baby. Some of you have been owned by depression and anxiety, and you have said, this is never going to end. Maybe you and your husband haven't slept in the same bed for a year, and you're thinking marriages do not recover from this. And you are asking, God, where were you? Where are you? To those of you wondering, why didn't you do anything? Why haven't you done anything? You need to hear, He is the resurrection and the life. And to those of you wondering, do you care? Do you love me? You need to hear that he weeps with you, that he is close to you, and that he most certainly loves you. Sojourn, when I, when I read this, 
it was hard for me not to think about our parishes and how as we are striving to live life on life together, life in life together, that in caring for one another, that we need to be both, we need both tender truth and truthful tenderness. Sometimes we can get to the gospel so quickly that we fail to be tender. I can tell you this, that when my dad died, I didn't need someone to tell me the gospel. I needed someone to sit with me and cry with me and tell me I am so sorry. And sometimes in our parishes with one another, we have camped out only in tenderness and we have failed to speak the truth of who God is. Sojourn in Christ, we can be truthful and tender as Jesus is. Martha and Mary asked the same question, but their heart postures needed different answers. And Jesus showed both his deity and his humanity in those responses. And this is what Jesus is answering as he goes to the tomb. Let's look at the text. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Can we take a moment and imagine, just imagine what it would have been like for Jesus to look at that cave, to look at that tomb, knowing the death that he was going to die. And when he said, take away the stone, was he knowing very soon that he would utter those same words from inside his own tomb? The words here deeply moved speak to Jesus' violent, inexpressible anger, but not an anger focused solely on the death of his friend Lazarus, but an anger focused on death itself. We must hear and understand the weight of his words. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Do you hear that? See, it's, it's for the glory of God that death finally dies. Not for our sympathy. Not for our peace. Not for what I or my brother or my sister or my stepmother experienced in that room with my father. Not to meet momentary needs, but to solve our biggest crisis and fear the end of life and our chronic unbelief 
of the glory of God. For this reason, Christ can say, take away the stone. He knew that the only way he would be able to take Lazarus out of the grave was if he put himself into the grave. That the only way that he could roll the stone away for Lazarus is if he let the stone be rolled closed on himself. God did not need to respond to Martha and Mary's problem only. He needed to respond to the universal problem of unbelief and death. Death is the object of his wrath. So he heads to the grave, his soul held by rage, and as John Calvin once said, as a champion who prepares for conflict, he has come to slay a great enemy and In this, Jesus brings an end to death. Not just a momentary removal of pain. He vanquishes death. And in vanquishing death, according to John 1, we will see His glory. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Do you know what that means? If you don't get your baby, that does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. If you're losing your job this week, next week, or yesterday, it does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. If your marriage is on the rocks, It does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. If no one is asking you out, that does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. If your depression and anxiety never leave you, that does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. The glory of God is not just raising Lazarus. It's Jesus taking all the sin of the world upon himself and experiencing the full weight of death and separation from God on the cross and then being raised to new life. And this is what Christ is about to show us. So let's end here. Let's look at the last verses. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes And said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the glory of the Son of God. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 4. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Do you see, do you see what he's saying? The same voice that called Lazarus out of death and into life is the same voice that calls us to light when we were in darkness. It doesn't matter what your situation is today. It doesn't matter where you believe Christ hasn't met you or if he hasn't responded in the way that you expected him to. What matters is that he is calling you out of the tomb from darkness to light, from death to life. We see we are all, all of us laying there like Lazarus and then Jesus rolls the stone away and we now see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us, according to Romans 6, that we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It reminds me of the beautiful holy sonnet by John Donne about death. He says, Death, be not proud, Though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkst thou dost overthrow, die not, poor death, nor yet canst thou kill me. One short sleep past, we all wake eternally and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. Right after my father died, I left the room with my brother. And as we were leaving, I remember this one thought coming across my mind. Where is my dad right now? And I felt the Spirit of God tell me, don't worry about where he is. Know that I am. See, in that moment, God didn't meet a small need, a momentary need. He spoke life into my pain. So, in your job security, I want you to hear this. You really don't need to know the details. You need to know that He is the resurrection and the life. You really don't need to know when God is going to give you the baby that you've always wanted. You don't really need to know when God is going to give you the spouse that you've always wanted. But you do need to know that he shares your sorrow. 
who knows your pain. He is in it with you, and he feels it with you. And some of you need to know that he is rolling that stone away from your tomb and is calling you from death to life. Death does not have the final say. Jesus, your Savior, has the final say. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. And even now, reading through this again, and feeling through this again, and considering again right now, God, that you are what we need. You have shown us your glory in the face of your son, Jesus Christ, and you have brought us from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And Lord, while we may And while we will plead for answers because we think that in them we have life, Lord, that it is in you that we have life. So, Lord, when we are are merry, will you be tender with us? And will you be angry at the right thing? Will you be angry at our unbelief? Will you be angry at death that that nips at our heels? And if we're Martha, would you be direct and truthful and loving in that to remind us of who you are? Because Lord, you told Martha and Mary who you are. Lord, that is what we need right now. That is what we need today, to know you, because to know you is eternal life. To know you. To know you is not just, is not just to know about peace, but Lord, by your grace, to have peace because of your cross, because of your death, because of your resurrection. Lord, help us, help sojourn, help our church. Lord, may this be a place, may this be a body, may this be a people who are needy people for Jesus, who are needy people for your spirit, who are needy people for just you. You are the resurrection. You are the life. We love you. We thank you. Pray that this was pleasing and honoring to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name.